0: Hey, have you heard about our all new free PDF that you can download? It's called Five Ways Unresolved Trauma May Be Derailing Your Relationship. And if you're a couple that has done the date nights and attended the relationship retreats and learned the communication skills, read the latest books on marriage, but you still find yourself stuck in a loop of pain and frustration, then this PDF is for you. If one moment everything is fine and the next moment everything feels crazy and that is familiar, I encourage you to go to restoringthesoul.com, scroll down, fill in your email, and get the free copy of our all-new PDF, Five Ways Unresolved Trauma May Be Derailing Your Relationship. You're going to find it very helpful. Most people feel like they read this and they wonder if we've been reading their mail. They say, this is us. It's going to be of help. Check it out now at restoringthesoul.com. questions haunt every life, writes Andy Crouch. The first, what are we meant to be? The second, why are we so far from what we're meant to be? Welcome to Restoring the Soul. I'm Michael John Cusick, and this is the podcast that helps you close the gap between what you're meant to be and what keeps you from being all that. Hello, friends. Welcome. I'm so happy that you are taking the time to listen today. If you were listening to part one of this conversation, you heard how Nate Larkin is a very special man who has been given a great, great gift, the gift of recovery that he has dedicated his life to passing on to others, specifically passing on to men through the Samson Society, the organization that he founded. So today, you're going to hear the second half of a two-part conversation with Nate Larkin, who is an author, a dynamic speaker, and in addition to being the founder of the Samson Society, is the author of Samson and the Pirate Monks, which is a worldwide fellowship of Christian men who are serious about authenticity, community, humility, and and recovery. You can learn more about the Samson Society at samsonsociety.ning.com. So let's carry on with part two of my conversation with Nate Larkin. How is the struggle for younger men who grow up they're called, I guess, digital natives with a smartphone and with this kind of pornography. How is that different from guys our age where you had to work hard to get a, a magazine of, of naked women and maybe steal a VHS tape?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, you know, that first generation of kids who have grown up on full motion video in unlimited quantities, that first generation is just now hitting the beach. And what we're seeing is the effects are nothing short of devastating. The statistics are alarming. 31% of male millennials suffer from a, some form of erectile dysfunction. Most of it, uh, porn-related. The way uh, the, the hookup culture that has developed out of porn um, has just eviscerated relationships – Made so many young people leery of marriage, uh, 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 incapable of commitment, so unwilling to trust. We are, you know, as is uh, as several people have said lately, we're in the middle of a massive social experiment. Uh, and we're just now finding out how it's going to turn out. And I'm uh, what I'm doing now. I'm doing not so much. I want When we started Samson Society and when I wrote Samson and the Pirate Monks, I was under the impression that a guy pretty much had to be in his early 40s at least uh, to be able to hit the wall hard enough to change, to get the gift of desperation. Um, What I'm finding now is that the guys who are coming to me now desperate for help and some of them just very deep in the weeds with all kinds of sexual perversion. Are in their early 20s, but they've been mainlining the hardcore porn that I didn't see till I was a married man. Right. Since they were eight, nine, ten years old. Yeah. So it's
0: gotten so much worse so much more quickly. Yeah. And they become desperate yeah. much quicker. Yeah. Well, if there's any redemption in that, that they start their recovery process at a younger age. But yeah. the downside is, of course, that literally little children are being addicted. Yes. Talk to me about these 450 chapters around the world for Mm -hmm. our listeners that um, have not been to the website or been to a Samson Society meeting. What what does it look like?
1: Yeah, um, you know, a Samson meeting, uh, typically our groups are not big. We have a few clusters of large meetings in metropolitan areas, but the typical Samson meeting is just going to be six or eight guys in a room somewhere. Uh, it's a scripted meeting, a one-hour meeting, without an anointed leader. Leadership can rotate. Anybody who can read can lead. So there's a, there's a little meeting format, a suggested meeting format to follow. And uh, with, 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 we open with prayer. We do have a confession of faith. Uh, we're an explicitly Christian group. We're a company of Christian men, one thing that sets us apart from classic 12-step recovery. Uh, and we remind ourselves of uh, what we do rather than the 12 steps of 12 step recovery, we have the seven stages of the path. And then somebody will suggest a topic for sharing. Then, if it's a larger group, if it's, uh, uh, we'll count off to get into groups of oh, five, six, or seven guys. And now you're free to share during that sharing time to talk uh, out of your own personal experience around that topic or anything else that's of pressing importance to you. And while you're talking, nobody's allowed to interrupt ask you questions, uh, or even pray for you. Uh, what they're allowed to do is what Christians are not known for, which is listen to you. And when you're done, uh, they say thank you.
0: No crosstalk talk yeah. for the uninitiated 12 <laughs> steps. There, there's not this literally across the group saying, oh, well, this was my experience. It's just literally listening.
1: Let's not fix each other. So this is a safe place to kind of undress yeah. And to explore the truth. There's, there's some people that might be going, well, that,
0: that doesn't sound very helpful. You know, there's no advice. There's no insight. But there's something so powerful about, in some ways, almost more powerful of speaking and not having people respond. Because like you said, you are naked. It's yeah. just out there. Yeah. And the listening and the acceptance is, is palpable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, we always have a meeting after the meeting.
0: I was going to ask you about that because that's what I love. It's like you do life together. That's a requirement
1: is to have the meeting after the meeting. Tell me about that. So the meeting after the meeting is we adjourn someplace else. We go to an Irish pub here in town and uh, we'll take up a few tables. They know us there. They give us a special and we talk and it's there that you can press back a little bit on a guy. If you have traction with him, if some trust has been established, you can say, hey, you know, tell me some more about what you were sharing or let me tell you what helped me. Uh, but you don't bring that. And then the other thing we say is that, you know, Samson meetings are great. Uh, I never regret having gone to a Samson meeting. I always leave going, I, sometimes I have to drag myself there, but I always leave going, man, I'm glad I went. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of every trip to an adult bookstore, a massage parlor, a mm. whorehouse I ever took. Wow. I would kind of go in on a tractor beam, not even thinking. And I always left going, yeah, why did I do that? I'm never going to do that again. Um, the meetings are great, but what we say is Samson's not about the meetings. It lives between the meetings. Hmm. It's in daily, honest conversation between men. So we encourage guys within the meetings to get themselves what we call a Silas, a trustworthy traveling companion for this stretch of the road. Somebody that they're going to call, at least leave a voicemail with, check in with once a day, hopefully uh, get together with once a week and uh, – That is the most difficult thing to do. Um, Picking up the phone and making that phone call is, uh, is an admission that I need help. It's hard to do, but I don't know of anything that we recommend that has greater spiritual benefit. That's the humility again. Yeah, right. And so what we say is on any given day, every man needs help and every man has some help to give. Everybody needs a Silas. Anybody can be a Silas. So let's practice some noble brotherhood.
0: I have experience of that being a really powerful thing, both in and out of the 12 steps. But let's talk for a minute about this Christian idea of accountability. Yeah. Which... In some ways, is like this this new spiritual discipline that's you know came out yeah. of the early church fathers when to my understanding, I never really started hearing the word accountability until promise keepers in mm-hmm. the in the mid and late nineties that men need accountability, yeah, and yes, we do, but how do we do accountability wrong um and what is it about recovery in
1: twelve steps that gets it right mm-hmm. yeah, I think. Uh, The classic evangelical accountability, the kind that I grew up with and experimented with and failed with, was all shame-based. The idea that if I have to report to somebody about my failure, uh, my fear of losing status with them will be enough to prevent me from failing. That whole arrangement is based on a a number of flawed assumptions, not the least of which this crazy idea that – yeah, typically, we set it up on a weekly basis. I'm, we're going to meet our accountability partner on a weekly basis. He's going to ask the hard questions. We're going to give him the answers, and that's going to be enough to keep us between the lines. Right. That's as if as if God knowing I mean, <laughs> is not enough. That's right? right? Yeah. It's somehow, first of all, it's based on this crazy idea that I have the capacity to hold it together for seven entire consecutive days, when. <laughs> All of my life experience says otherwise.
0: Right. And the assumption is that if I don't masturbate, look at porn, act out
1: sexually, that I'm okay. Then I'm right? not sinning. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. It's, it's. So I narrow my focus. It's a very phar- Pharisaical thing to do to say that if I can just keep this set of rules, I'm good. And
0: the irony is that it keeps us locked in utterly to the self sufficiency. Even yes. though I'm, quote, connecting with you confessing my sins I never have to really trust you or trust God that I'm okay as yeah. I am I'm per- yeah' as performing this is just my passion so I can't wait to
1: read your book yeah yeah my experience is by the second meeting I was always lying uh, because I couldn't uh, I, I couldn't keep the promise yeah. And I uh, I was desperately afraid of losing status in the group.
0: There's a list of questions that I was read early on about, you know, what did you look at this week? Who did yeah. you talk to, et cetera? And then the last question is, are you lying? Yeah, yeah. And I became really good at lying about that question. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, exactly. No, I'm not lying. <laughs> so that is a sixth question of, are you lying that you're lying? No, yeah. I'm not lying that I'm lying that I'm lying. but. Isn't it wonderful to be able to say that we're all bsers and self-deceivers?
1: Yeah. It's one of the standard readings in a Samson meeting as, uh, as we open. We say we are natural, natural loners, natural liars. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. Do you ever get men who just go, I'm not
1: sure I'm ready for that? Sure. We get this. Ha- uh, uh, it happens quite often where a guy will come in. Uh, maybe he's been pushed by his wife or maybe he has a, he's just had a really close call with the consequences of his behavior and he'll come to Samson and, uh, yes. boy, I mean, it'll hit him hard and he'll leave going, you know, I, I can, uh, I don't need that. I can, that was, those guys really need it. I'm sure. But, um, I've learned and I can, I can pull it together.
0: Yeah. Somebody, somebody used to refer that. I think it was Gordon Dalby who wrote Healing the Masculine <laughs> yeah. Soul. He'd say, that person just needs to go back to the pig slop a little while <laughs> until right. they come to their senses. And that can sound really shaming, but it's like, no, they're, they're putting together their speech and trying to go back to, the, to our father, like the Particle Son story, and, and kind of tell
1: him why he's sorry and get back in his good graces. Often as not, that guy will eventually cycle back because he files it away. He knows he's found a safe place. And when he's finally lost all hope of moral self-sufficiency, when all the other options are exhausted, you know, we don't surrender early, any of
0: us. I want to go in two different directions, and I'll speak them out loud so you can help me remember and come back around. I want to talk about the positive picture Mm -hmm. of accountability that you've experienced so Mm -hmm. deeply. And then the other thing is… See, I forgot it already. Um, I'm, 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 oh, I want to talk about the seven stages of the path.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. So positive side of accountability. First of all, accountability is not a bad thing. I need to be accountable in business. I'm accountable to my business partners. Uh, I, uh, my employees are accountable to me. Um, I'm accountable to my wife. I can be accountable for anything I'm not addicted to. Uh, But if uh, if I have an addiction that uh, that, uh, and I'm being drawn on a consistent basis outside the lines and I have learned to exercise all the tools of denial to protect that thing, then accountability alone is not going to save me. What I you know, here's the amazing thing that I encountered in 12 step. There is no provision for discipline in 12 step recovery your sponsor can fire you. That's about the, that's the, right? Right. They can't kick you out. They can't. You can never be kicked out. Uh, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking or become sexually sober.
0: And membership is literally just showing up, you know, sign papers or.
1: Yeah. 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 So, um, and yet to see the success rate of that approach, I mean, it's just phenomenal. Uh, and, and of course, when it's combined with what we know now and have learned about healing, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a great advocate of kind of a cocktail approach to recovery. Let's add therapy and mm-hmm. let's employ uh, these other tools, trauma tools especially. Um, yeah. So the good thing, accountability, uh, but. I am much more accountable now than I was even at the beginning, but I'm voluntarily accountable and I'm accountable to people who I know are not going to reject me if, and when I fail, they're not going to co-sign my, uh, you know, delusion. uh and they're going to lovingly press me where appropriate, but my, uh, Their love for me and my status with them is never going to be altered by my performance.
0: And it's not shame-based or fear-based. No, not at all. Because it's voluntary, like you said.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's good, healthy accountability. And I'm I'm so grateful that you introduced the term accessibility into our corporate vocabulary. Because I think that describes much better what we're shooting for. What I really like about it is its global implications. I'm not just accountable for a behavior or a target or a, you know, or a threshold. Um, uh, I'm giving you real time access to my life.
0: Yeah. And the minute we do that, even in small doses, we're countering the self-sufficiency. Yeah. Um, And. I don't know. I use the word access, accessibility kind of synonymously with Mm -hmm. humility. But that idea of I'm going to I'm going to let you in. I love Merton's quote, um, uh, Fred Merton, who manages the Starbucks (laughs) down the street. No, Thomas Merton. (laughs) he, He said that humility is being precisely who you are before God and another person at any given time. Wow. And that idea that Humility, you know, is not lowering myself. Uh, even one popular definition is humility is not thinking, um, less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Mm -hmm. That's a little closer, Mm -hmm. but it's, thinking that you don't have to be anything other than you are yeah so i remember the question i was going to ask and then we'll circle back around to the seven stages let's talk for a minute about powerlessness because the 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 first step of the 12 steps Mm -hmm. is that i admitted that i was powerless over fill in the blank Yeah.
1: yeah why
0: is why is admission of powerlessness the foundation of it all
1: because i have to uh i have to stop striving As long as I fail to understand that I'm powerless over something, I am still going to attempt on my own to master it. And that's going to keep me in isolation and it's going to separate me from the only power – from that power greater than myself that's my only hope for freedom.
0: It's so tricky though. Uh, because there's a fine line. You hear guys saying, well, I'm not powerless. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens Mm -hmm. me. And oftentimes that's just like a a plaque on the wall that they might believe in their head, but it's not something you can't allow Christ to strengthen you unless you give access to him, right? And unless you trust him in your powerlessness. I hear that
1: all the time, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Christ in me who can overwork. So I've got to surrender to him and stop trying to do it. So talk to me about the seven stages
0: that are part of the Samson meeting. And these are in the back of the book, right, Samson exactly, and the yeah,
1: yeah, all the essentials of the Samson Society are on a single page that we call the Charter. It's got three columns, the fact, the path, and the pact. So the fact is a seven-part statement of faith, very broad. And uh, the path is uh, what we do, and the pact is the equivalent of the 12 traditions. It's the principles under which we operate. I took a lot of inspiration from the fact that when Bill W. wrote the 12 Steps for the first time, there were six. And it was with the help, the input of some other guys, including Sam Shoemaker, that they were later broken down to 12. So there's nothing sacred about uh, that structure. Also, one of the first things that you'll be told if you go to a 12-step meeting is that if you want to stay sober, you're going to have to get a sponsor. If you want to get sober and stay sober, you've got to get a sponsor. That was a recognition – that uh, AA came to over time but wasn't included in the 12 steps. So uh, our path, uh, the path as we describe it, uh, you know, it begins with uh, an acceptance of the fact. So, so, you know, stage one is believing the fact I surrender to God in simple faith, making no promises but merely asking for his aid. And that is always, that's the highest step. That's the toughest one to that's do. That's the hardest part, to make no promises, right? Yeah, Because exactly.
0: repentance is always, well, I have to feel really bad about myself and tell God <laughs> how I'm going to do better tomorrow. <laughs> that's
1: right. And then uh, on down the road, I, you know, uh, I begin attending meetings of the Society and from its members I select a Silas, a, 12, uh, a trustworthy traveling companion for this stretch of the road. As we go down the path... Um, I become uh, as honest as I can be, admitting to God and to my Silas the course and consequences of my attempts to live apart from God. So that's uh, that's kind of fourth-step work if we're in a 12-step world.
0: As I'm hearing all this, it's just uh, deep, deep, deep discipleship. Yeah. I mean, all you're doing is talking about the heart and the inner world yeah. in relation to how
1: you're growing. Yeah, right, right, right. And then I will move on to, you know, surrendering those defects to God and asking Him to do for me what I can't do for myself. And then I become, then I make, uh, as God makes it possible, I, uh, and where it's appropriate and will not harm anybody, I make amends for damage I've caused. Uh, if amends are impossible or inadvisable, I demonstrate my repentance in other ways. And, uh, you know, the end of the, uh, the path is I offer myself as a Silas to others. Mm, mission. It's that service component. Yeah. This We keep this freedom by giving it away. That's
0: so powerful. Um, my father died uh, three years ago with 44 contiguous years in AA. Mm-hmm. I went to my first AA meeting when I was five. And I always wondered why he was so involved in AA and it wasn't until I got older, uh, but the 12th step. Mm-hmm. And I remember literally on Friday nights, we would get a dozen donuts, mm-hmm. 12 pack of Pepsi in the cardboard carton, and we'd go visit somebody and he'd sit in the kitchen with a man yep. and do a 12 step call. Wow. Um, and five years ago, a man back in Cleveland Facebooked me and said he was going through his dad's toolbox. Mm-hmm. And in the bottom of that toolbox was a note that my dad had written one of the men he was sponsoring, uh, and he read this note to me. It was just so moving. Uh, mm. And this man was just said, so your dad was involved. And um, I think it's easy to dismiss that idea of almost like it's a tack-on or an add-on, that, that part of mission. But part of recovery is giving back to men yes. who need it.
1: Yeah. And it's escape from my uh, obsessive self-concern.
0: Hmm. Was there a time when you couldn't do that because you were so good at giving mm-hmm. and performing? Did you need to take time off oh, from Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. How do you know when you were ready?
1: Uh, when my sponsor told me I was. And when my wife became comfortable with me doing it. Uh, Allie's got really good radar. I- interestingly, she, she actually says that my voice has changed. Hmm. She used to, uh, you know, I was a pastor for five years. And she would – it it drove her crazy to hear me preach because although um, my vocabulary is good and my syntax is good, I had what she called my important voice. Mm. And it really was a voice that I put on that was somehow attached to the persona. Wow. When it just – the first time she heard me teach when I – after recovery – she couldn't stop talking about was that it was my voice and not my important voice wow yeah
0: maybe what recovery is is getting our voice back maybe our true self yeah who we really are yeah Nate there's so much more we could talk about uh, and hopefully we will again but thank you for your time today on restoring the soul
1: it's been a joy thanks
0: you've been listening to restoring the soul with Michael John Cusick Produced by Brian Beatty and supported by generous listeners like you. To learn more about our life-changing intensive counseling process for couples and individuals, visit RestoringTheSoul.com.